Hey guys, Chris McConnell here for the best fantasy sports community on the planet. FSA Fantasy Sports Advice and Analysis on Facebook. We have 12,000 active daily members and we cover all fantasy sports, including football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and many more. If it's a sport, we talk about it and we cover it. FSA is the perfect place to talk fantasy sports, talk real life sports, recruit new owners for your fantasy leagues, find a new league to join yourself, and get valuable ad drop and trade advice from thousands of members. Do you play in dynasty leagues, keeper leagues? How about redraft leagues or multi-sport leagues, even daily fantasy? Yeah, we handle it all and we can help you become a better fantasy player. And best of all, you'll finally have the perfect place to talk fantasy sports with thousands of like-minded people. We've partnered with Pro Football Focus, Drafters, Flea Flicker, FantasyData.com, and LeagueSafe to provide you with endless resources for sports data and advice, all in the name of helping you win your leagues. Plus, free FSA t-shirt giveaways are happening all the time. So jump on Facebook, search FSA Fantasy, and we'll approve your request to join the group and you'll be a part of the best fantasy sports community out there. FSA Fantasy Sports Advice and Analysis. Your fantasy sports dream come true. Welcome to a very special edition of Great Lakes Football Talk. Today and up until the draft next Thursday, we're going to have eight special episodes uh, regarding each division and just going over a few things uh, in those divisions in those for those specific teams about just different things that they need out of the draft. Uh, we'll mostly cover who on the team needs this draft hall to be successful, whether that be a certain player, the coach, the GM, somebody like that. We're going to talk about the ideal target uh, with that specific team's first pick um, or their first round picks and a sleeper for each team. And then we'll also talk about three needs that each of these teams need. Uh, today, we're going to focus on the AFC East. But before we get into all of that, Adam has a couple of things to go over with you guys, and then we're going to jump into it. Right, what's up, guys? So like Jerry said, these next eight episodes are basically going to be individual conference um, draft previews. But before we get that, we're we're getting a good crowd so far. I mean, we're getting basically an average amount of listens on this pod, and overall. Um, but we want to get we want to motivate you guys to share our stuff, listen more. So we have decided to run a little contest, and we're giving you guys, our listeners, the very first chance to take advantage of this because we're not going to announce the actual contest itself until probably the day or two after this pod is published. Um. We're, we're, we're starting to make merch, and we're, we're trying to go big. So we are having a contest for our most loyal follower, our most um, – uh, our super fan, basically, whoever participates the most by sharing, liking, commenting on our stuff, uh, anything. If we put polls up on the page, vote for that. Basically, whatever you do to help the page in, in, in any type of publicity – you'll we'll basically keep track of who's doing the most and that winner is going to get our very first ever great lakes football talk t-shirt so like like our stuff share our page comment on stuff um whatever like even if you guys send us messages of suggestions that you guys want to see on future pods or just anything you guys want to talk about in general let us know and that counts for your participation and we'll probably let the winner know the day after the draft 
is complete. So Monday, the I think the 29th, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, and hopefully this is a good turnout. Hopefully this builds our publicity up because at the end of the day, even though we want this page to get bigger, it'll be better for you guys as well because the bigger we get, the more stuff we can do. Um, Jerry and myself, we do have big plans for this page overall. More merch, um, more prospects coming on in future years. Regular, you know, NFL veterans coming on and um, a lot more. So in order to be successful, we're going to need you guys behind us and we're going to show our appreciation. This is just one of hopefully many contests we're going to do. Give you guys free merch and uh, who knows, maybe eventually get a little bit bigger, you know, bigger rewards. Maybe uh, some, uh, if, if we get enough people, maybe we can start throwing around an idea of maybe a copy of like Madden for anybody that plays Madden or maybe even some, uh, some game tickets, maybe. Uh, just depends how everything works out in the next couple months. So it's up to you guys to get us to the point where we can do that stuff, and we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, this, uh, this page has a huge, bright future, and uh, definitely need you guys to to just get it out there. Um, I mean, after all, you guys are the listeners, and, and, and we're here talking for you guys. So uh, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Again, we're going to go over the AFC East um, that includes the Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, New York Jets, and Miami Dolphins. Uh, it is my personal team's uh, division, so got some things to talk about them. And uh, yeah, let's let's put a good show out for for you guys today. So, getting into this first, uh, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills and the person that I think needs to have the best draft overhaul to be successful uh, is going to be Coach Sean McDermott. Uh, basically, going into year three of his coaching regime, and he is typically year three for coaches is is basically the hot seat year. Um, now, in his first year, he did lead the Bills to the playoffs, um, and then last year kind of took a step backwards, but that was to be expected, having a rookie quarterback under center and basically little to no offense. Uh, LaShawn McCoy wasn't the LaShawn McCoy that we that we have been used to. Our wide receivers were just basically no names. Um, Zay Jones and Kelvin Benjamin started out the year, and then by the end of the year it was Robert Foster and Zay Jones. Um, and although Zay Jones is still on the roster and, and going to be here this year, uh, barring trade, they went out and got John Brown and Cole Beasley to kind of give Josh Allen some more help. But uh, again, like I said, the third year for the coaches, especially up here in Buffalo, uh, it's the hot seat year, we like to call it, because it, it seems like we're just recycling coaches every three years. So I think that Sean McDermott, he needs to put together a competitive roster to to just basically to keep his job. I mean, because if he has another and I don't want to say that um, last year, last year really didn't do any justice because, like I said, of. Josh Allen being the rookie coming in, but if he does have another mediocre down year, miss the playoffs again for for another time, um, besides the one time in 2017 when we made it, we haven't made the playoffs before that since 1999. Uh, I think that he could potentially be on his way out again, and uh, I don't want to see that happen. I think Brandon Bean does have a lot of faith in him, and um, I just so we just need to put a good roster together. Um, Josh Allen was going to be my my next guy in line uh, just to give you a spoiler because Sam Darnold uh, another fellow rookie from last year he is my my guy for the Jets 
So I don't think it's fair to have Sam Darnold for the Jets and not Josh Allen for the Bills, but I think it's more important for to Sean McDermott. Uh, who did you have? I actually had down Josh Allen. I mean, <laughs> he did well with, honestly, very little around him. Like you said, you can't, you know, normally if a running back had LaShawn McCoy, you know, in the backfield, that would help a lot. But as you said a little bit ago, LaShawn McCoy didn't play like the LaShawn McCoy that we know about, that we basically every every football fan fell in love with. So, and, and Josh Allen, honestly, as a rookie, he had to, he had to put that team on his back for the most part. And, uh, it, it, with with a good draft haul, I think he can take that next step. I don't think he's able to take it this year if they if they don't help him on offense. The line needs help. Um, that's going to be key more than I think anything else for his development is to just have him stand up in the pocket. I mean, we've seen that he can run, but he should use that when he absolutely needs to. And, and honestly, he did that last year. The only thing is, though, he absolutely had to so many times. Um, you know, I, I don't want anybody panicking if he doesn't do better than last year, because he's going to, he's going to have to, I mean, Buffalo, they want that franchise quarterback. They want to win <laughs> rightfully so. And, uh, I don't think the pieces they have, you know, Gore, uh, Brown, uh, Beasley, I don't think those guys are going to be enough to have Allen take an, an, a, a big enough step where, Buffalo fans are like, oh, we're good for the next 10-plus years. We just got to continue to build around the guy. I, I think they need to go out and they need to get the key pieces on offense. Um, even though they did sign some lower receivers, they still need that top guy. They need that tight end, even though they did sign Tyler Croft. Um, and, and they need to keep him upright. And my biggest fear is if they don't keep him upright, he's going to turn into a uh, David Carr you know, David Carr, he just got killed so many times due to not having no offensive line. And I think that really messed with his whole career, even though he did go other places and was still unsuccessful. I think a lot of it just had to do with he, his first couple of years in the league were just gone because he wasn't able to just drop back in a pocket and actually be able to play the game the proper way a quarterback should due to the lack of him having to run for his life. And I don't want that to happen to Allen. And we've also seen how, you know, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and his injuries because he has to keep coming out of the pocket. And uh, eventually it happens to quarterbacks. I mean, quarterbacks aren't built to take, you know, hits like running backs and wide receivers who constantly catch the ball. You know, they're meant to stay in the pocket and throw, you know, the majority of their careers, you know, outside of, you know, Vic. I mean, Vic's a guy that could have went out the pocket, you know, 15 times. And even Vic had injuries, though. So it's just they need to keep him upright. And this offseason, I think even though it was only year two, could be make or break for Josh Allen. Yeah, and that basically leads us into our uh, our next part of this, and that's going to be the ideal player. But uh, before we get into that – I. You mentioned that they need to go out and, and help out Josh Allen. Well, and while I do agree with that, um, I'm, I'm definitely thinking that we need to grab a weapon or two, whether that be one wide receiver, one tight end, or two wide receivers, or even a running back. We definitely need a running back with uh, having the aging LaShawn McCoy and aging Frank Gore on the roster. Uh, we did sign six offensive linemen, though. Um, so between the offensive linemen that they signed and the two wide receivers that they signed, I think they and the tight end that they signed, Tyler Croft, I think that they got them, that got Josh Allen enough help to go with best player available in the draft um and 
that leads me into who I think the ideal uh, player that we grab is, and that's going to be Ed Oliver. Uh, We do pick at um, number nine uh, right after Detroit and, uh, and barring trade, that's, that's where I think they're going to stay. Um, There has been some talk of possibly moving down, but as of right now, it's pick number nine and Ed Oliver, the big defensive tackle or, or not big, but defensive tackle out of Houston is who I absolutely want and who I've seen, um, well, majority of the most recent mock drafts take, and also um, our own mock drafts that we've done. Uh, I know me and you did a mock draft uh, for a podcast a couple weeks ago, and then we also did a uh, a four person seven round mock draft uh, with me, you, and then two of the other guys from the page. And, and that one, I took Ed Oliver at number nine to Buffalo, and he just he would come in, fill a hole right away for uh, Kyle Williams that we lost to retirement and just basically um, I would just be ecstatic to have him. I know the one knock on him is uh, that he is a little undersized for the defensive tackle position, but he is an athletic freak. And I mean, he fits Sean McDermott's bill perfectly. Um, So I I definitely hope that we go out and get him. That's my ideal target. Um, Another guy and my sleeper that I'm choosing here is going to be Caden Smith, the tight end out of Stanford. Uh, I did have a, I got a nice little piece on him on um, Nickel City Sportscast. That's a, that's a podcast that's out here in Buffalo that I talked to uh, with uh, my buddy Mark and basically talked about him. Um, he is a fourth to sixth round grade, uh, but he's a big, tall tight end to kind of pair with Tyler Croft, uh, drafting him in about, I, I I would project him about the fifth round or so, and and that's where Buffalo has two two fifth round picks, uh, one of them being from Kansas City, and then our own. And he would basically be the second tallest target on the team, behind Tyler Croft. Uh, Tyler Croft is six six, and Kane Smith is six five, and Josh Allen just chucking balls at the back of the end zone, uh, and just having one of these two guys come down with it in the red zone, just be a perfect fit. I know he has the one knock on. Caden Smith is he he's he's not that fast and he really he had a slow 40 at the combine and he uh just his route running isn't the greatest but if he can just go to the back of the end zone and just tower over linebackers and and safeties and cornerbacks he would just I mean all he's got to do is just come down with the ball over over those smaller guys yeah and I actually I like both of those picks and it's funny that you had defensive tackle as your ideal target and tight end as your sleeper. I have it the opposite way. I have tight end as my ideal target and defensive tackle as the sleeper target. Um, My ideal target is one of the Iowa tight ends. Honestly, in quite a few offenses, quite a, you know, quite a few teams around the league, and especially when it comes to rookie quarterbacks or still young developing quarterbacks, a tight end, a, a good tight end is a quarterback's best friend. And, more often than not, it's their security blanket. And, you know, Noah Font or um, Hawkinson, which is and TJ Hawkinson, they, um, they're both elite options. And that's what Buffalo needs in their offense. Right now, they go in, they did do the signings, as we mentioned, but they need an elite option for him that no matter what, you know, Allen can depend on this person. And I think they can't go wrong with either one of the Iowa Titans at nine. Um, and like I said, it's for me this season, even though all this draft, even though they do have some holes on defense, they do need to help Josh Allen improve. And 
you can't go wrong with any, either one of these tight ends. I mean, they're both, you know, they, they, they're both just off the charts. I mean, there is some minor knocks on both, um, you know, a little bit of a blocking, but it's not like they're unwilling to block. I think they're going to be very good blockers when it's all said and done. Um, but it's right now it's, they can help him. They can help Allen in the red zone. They can help Allen stretch the field, especially Hawkinson. Um, neither one of them guys are scared to to get hit too. I mean, they'll put their shoulder down and they'll try to break tackles. And uh, that's, it's, I'm sure Buffalo would love one of them. You know, they, they tried the whole Charles Clay thing. Didn't work. <laughs> they do have Tyler Croft, but we, you know, he never, he's never really shown that he could be the tight end one in an offense. I mean, he did have some good uh, moments in Cincinnati, but uh, I think he's better suited to be a uh, tight end too. And then for my sleeper is a guy I can feel they could probably get in the round four to five range, maybe in sixes, Isaiah Bugs, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, you know, with Kyle Williams retiring, it made it, it made defensive tackle a huge, you know, like a tremendous need because it was already a need before Kyle Williams was gone. Um, you know, they needed someone to groom uh, behind Williams, and they have tried it, but I, I still don't think there's a uh, dominant upfront presence there. And even though Bugs won't necessarily be a dominant presence, I think right away, uh, he, he, if he just if his motor keeps going and he just he gets the right coach who could just make him put in 110% every play, I think they'll have possibly the steal of the draft because he was when Bugs put in all the effort, he was a dominant guy for Alabama, but he just there was times that it just looked like he was just on the field just to be on the field and that he you know he really wasn't showing that he wanted to be the dominant guy. Um, I don't know if it was because he knew that he had the talent around him where he really didn't have to show a lot of effort. But uh, now that it's draft time, you can see it on tape. He's, you know, he, he's a dominant presence. It's just he needs that coach to be, you know, to tell him, look, if you're going to be on this team or in the league at all, you're going to need to put 110% into every down, every time you're on this field, if it's practice, a game, you know, preseason or regular, you know, you're going to need to put that, you know, the effort in every down. And um, I think Buffalo, Buffalo can teach him that. I think Buffalo, you know, they'll still have Kyle Williams, Kyle Williams in. Um, I'm sure they think the last we're ever going to see of him, even though he's not going to be on the field. I do believe he'll like do something where <laughs> a Chad Johnson has done. Um, and we see numerous other players, they come into camp, help, you know, players at that position. And, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Williams did that. And if they draft bugs and have Kyle Williams, you know, come into camp to help these guys, I think that's going to be a tremendous payoff for Buffalo. Yeah, I definitely like that sleeper pick that you have, uh, which, and, and even if they don't uh, draft defensive tackle, which like I said, if, if Ed Oliver's there at number nine, I, I, I'd put money on that being the pick. Um, but we do have Starla Tulele that we picked up last year from Carolina. And then they also drafted Harrison Phillips last year in the third round. So, um, But I, either one of those other two defensive tackles that we mentioned, Bugs and uh, and Ed Oliver, I'd, I'd be happy with. Um, and the last Alabama t- or defensive tackle that we had worked out a little bit well here until he decided that he didn't want to play here anymore. Uh, as we all know, it's Marcel Darius. But um, just... I'd definitely be happy with uh, either one of those. Picking up uh, one of the Iowa tight ends at number nine hasn't really 
uh, dawned on me yet. Um, I have that's probably one of the only scenarios that I really haven't thought about yet. Um, I'm not against the tight end at nine. It's just something that I, I I'm not sure if I'm not sure if McDermott's thinking that way just yet. Um, but if if they do, and, and these Iowa tight ends are what they say that they are, then I, I'd be happy there. That's just another target for for our big, tall quarterback that we have. Uh, that leads us into the top three needs that I think Buffalo needs out of this draft. Uh, obviously, we touched on two of them, actually. Defensive tackle would be my number one need. Tight end would be my number two need. And going to surprise you a little bit here with number three. Uh, I'm going to go running back. Um I'm going to add a little twist to it. I'm actually going to say running back slash wide receiver. So basically just like another weapon, um, as much as I think wide receiver is what a lot of other people might think that Buffalo needs more. Um, with the with, we, we did go out and sign two guys, plus we had the two guys that, that had pretty solid years last year. Um, running back, definitely something that Buffalo needs. We have the oldest running back tandem in the league with LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore, as I already said, and there's definitely some good talent that's in this year's draft class. Um, I don't think now, unless they're picking Josh Jacobs at number nine or trading back into the first round, I don't think we're going to get our hands on him. Uh, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad with like a Daryl Henderson, a justice Hill, a uh, Travion Williams, people like that. Benny Snell has been a guy that I've actually watched a few games of this year, and and I really like him uh, out of Kentucky. Uh, Bryce Love, I've heard uh, a lot about. I've read some scouting reports on him, and, and he's a guy that's pretty intriguing. And then even like an Elijah Holyfield, uh, somebody that we can get maybe even a little bit later in the draft and, and just kind of learn under these guys because at, at the worst-case scenario, um, any running back that comes in is – basically training and learning and playing with one of the best running backs uh, that's that's out there right now and, and still playing and that's Frank Gore so just having him as a leader in the locker room you I mean that's that's a dream come true for for any of these rookie running backs so I think any of them would be happy to be here and, and getting the ball as we get into the colder months November December when when there's snow on the ground and 20 below zero uh just i mean who wouldn't want to play here when when you know that you're getting the ball uh who are your three guys that are not guys but positions that you think buffalo needs the most well i agree with you on all those and i do like the running back thing um you know basically more than anyone i'm a huge fan of learning from a veteran i think it's key for anybody's career and feeding off the frank gore thing i mean frank gore is freaking old as can be and he's still, you know, racking up the yards. He's still showing that he still has it. And that's going to, I think, also benefit, you know, Shady because Gore can basically teach him, look, this is how you have to go into the offseason. This time to go, you know, stay during the season to keep your body healthy. Um, and I think that's going to help the, uh, the, the any rookie running back that presumably will end up getting drafted in Buffalo. But mine are, one is defensive tackle. <laughs> Just, you know, the same reasons you stated. At two, I have offensive tackle because even though they did sign like six offensive linemen, who did they sign? I mean, every team has elite players in certain spots, and I think the offensive line is something like Buffalo needs an, an elite offensive lineman, and uh, they very well could get that in nine too if Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor's there. And then for three, I have tight end. I I want. It is you know if it's me and I'm a head coach or an owner, 
I want my tight I want my quarterback to have a security blanket and I want that to be my tight end just because you look for that tight end, you know, at third and short. You look at that tight end in the red zone. And if your quarterback's comfortable with the tight end, they can make magic happen. And uh you know, I was actually kind of tempting to put that in number two, but they did sign Tyler Croft and I do think he's serviceable if they didn't take a tight end in the first maybe two, three rounds, I don't think that'll bite them too bad. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think uh, tight end should round out the top three in their needs. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that, um, aside from defensive tackle, that uh, offense is pretty much the biggest needs in this draft. And, and like I said on multiple podcasts, this is probably the most excited that I've been for a draft, even though last year was the year that I knew we were going quarterback, and that's always exciting. This year, just, I mean, part of it, knowing more about the players and, and actually scouting a little bit more and just picking in the top 10 is just, is just exciting. So um, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, and we spent quite a bit of time on the Buffalo Bills, and but that's because that's my team. So now we're going to move on. Uh, we'll go to the Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots, talk about them. The person that I think needs to have the biggest overhaul to be successful in this one uh, might surprise you a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and say Tom Brady. Uh, when the season starts, he's going to be 42 years old and outside of Julian Edelman, basically his pass catching options aside from James White are, could be bagging groceries at Walmart. Um, they, they got nobody, they got nobody in that offense. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, he obviously he retired, Edelman's still there. James White's still there. Uh, Sony Michelle's their first round pick from last year. Um, and it's, which is also, that's a shock in itself because New England hasn't drafted a, or a running back in the first round since 2006 when they took Lawrence Maroney. Um, but just, so it's like, it, it seems like the coaching staff and GM even wants to kind of take a little bit off of Brady's shoulders uh, by getting them a legit run game and kind of helping them out there. But uh, I think, I mean, again, he's six-time Super Bowl champion. Uh, he could have retired two years ago, and he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But he's got to be wearing down, and, and he's got to get some help. There's only so much that he can do with the little talent around him that he has uh, before it start before – you start to notice it before these teams, uh, strong defenses like the Jets and the Bills are coming in and, and kind of just like taking over and knocking them down. So they got to get him some help. Uh, so I think he, he needs to – I think he's – he needs the biggest overhaul to be successful. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I have him down too as the biggest guy that needs a um, a successful draft class. And it's, it's basically dead on, which, you know, my notes are basically dead on what you said. Entering his age 42 season, um, he's gonna start having back problems by care for you know due to carrying this team. I mean, you can only get so old and make other guys look like Hall of Famers. And I think Brady's gonna get to the point. I think this year, if they don't do that, we could potentially see you know the dynasty dying. And uh, you know they they lost Chris Hogan this week. Uh, he signed with the Carolina Panthers and. Uh, Right now, all the receiving options are really running backs, and uh, it's it's they need to replace Gronk. They need to get him that big wide receiver that they're hoping that Josh Gordon would be, who unfortunately couldn't stay on the field. You know, they need to get him. You know, other guys. I mean, Julian Edelman is getting older too, and it's they need to start replacing this offensive talent because yeah, they've hit some 
great signings where these guys have gelled with Tom Brady perfectly. I mean, they're literally signing undrafted free agents, guys in the late rounds of the draft, um, you know, getting guys basically as fillers and trades just to work out the deal that are end up turning into decent players due to Tom Brady's talent. And, but that can only happen for so long. And even though, you know, Brady does win a lot, the last thing I want as a football fan is to see Brady go from Tom Brady to Jamarcus Russell because he doesn't have no one to throw to. And he's, he's just going to get pulverized once teams how to figure once they can get to him. If you take Brady out the game, the game's essentially over. And, um, you know, the Patriots can change that this year by going into a draft and going offensive heavy. I mean, I expect them to maybe double down either at the tight end position or the um, wide receiver position, something basically what the Falcons did or the, um, excuse me, the Ravens did last year, taking two tight ends in within the first three rounds. And I think that's something that um, the Patriots have to look at to, you know, extend Tom Brady's career because Brady wants to play till he's 45. Well, the thing is, though, if, you know, they just think they can go draft a sixth-round guy and they can turn that guy into, you know, wide receiver one and maybe like the next Randy Moss. I I, I don't think that's going to work out well anymore. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up tight end because I brought up tight end and that's my ideal target for them. Um, I, I think that they're, they picked number 32. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl last year, so they got the last pick in the first round. Uh, but one of the Iowa tight ends, Hawkinson or Noah Fant, would be uh, ideal for them. Uh, will one of them be there at pick 32? Honestly, it remains to be seen. Uh, draft is next Thursday, and we'll see what happens. But um, And there's not really – yeah, there's a bunch of teams that could use a tight end. But is there a bunch of teams that could use a tight end in the first round with all the defensive talent and the cornerbacks and and the defensive line and even wide receivers that are there? So maybe one of them drops. Um, I know in our seven round mock, and I keep on giving away all these spoilers, but um, it just it's definitely something that that should be brought up in our seven round mock. Hawkinson did drop, and and that's where I took because uh, I had control of the Patriots. That's where I took. That's where I took him at number 32. Um, but maybe a trade on draft day to, to move up if they're in love with one of these guys. Um, I just – I definitely see them taking one of those two. I'd I, I, Look, again, I'd put money on them taking one of those two if they're there at 32. If I hear or you get the little uh, notification on, on the TV that they traded up, I can almost guarantee you that it's going to be for one of them. I don't think that they have any other um, – I mean, I'm pretty sure they have other targets on their board, but I think that these two guys are their top two targets, and because I mean they're picking, they're picking late in all the rounds. So, and I mean, and New England knows how to draft, so I'm not really worried about that. I just think that they gotta. We're probably going to be seeing maybe two or three different weapons, um, just between pass catching weapons from the draft this year uh, out of New England. And uh, my sleeper that I got for them, I. Could have easily, and I was actually thinking about going either like a, a Will Greer um, or or one of those other later round quarterbacks. But I actually went with Hunter Renfro, um, the wide receiver out of Clemson. He's a smaller clone of Julian Edelman, uh, and so it's basically Tom Brady's favorite type of wide receiver. Um, I know you can't have too many Julian Edelmans and and uh, 
Hunter Renfro's on the field at the same time, but the way that they run their offense, uh, those little quick routes, uh, getting them out there and just catching the ball and, and making things happen in open space. I think he, I think once we knew that Renfro was coming out uh, and, and going into the draft, um, I'm pretty sure that somewhere along the line, everybody that does mocks and, and does scouting at least had them, at least had Hunter Renfro going to, to Patriots in one of their mocks. Um, so, yeah, Hunter Winfro as the sleeper and one of the Iowa tight ends as the uh, as the ideal target. Uh, who do you got for him? And, and I love Renfro too. I think I mentioned that on our first like two podcasts. And I think every single team, no matter how stacked you are at wide receiver, you need a Hunter Renfro type player on your team to succeed. Um, at least succeed a little bit more than what you're doing. Uh, I'm a fan of you know even Detroit grabbing Hunter Renfro because I think, you know, even though he's a smaller guy, smaller hands, um, you know, he, he's very skinny. I think, you know, he, he, he catches everything. So I think those are very good picks. Um, my ideal target for them is AJ Brown, the Ole Miss wide receiver. You know, it's time for the Patriots to draft a talented wide receiver, you know, not just signing a random dude, you know, as everybody says, a grocery boy, they need to get a guy with a legitimate maker, is um even though DK Metcalf looks like you know a cyborg I do think AJ Brown's the top wide receiver coming from Ole Miss um he's a guy I think you know Tom Brady can really use him I think Tom Brady would love having AJ Brown on the team and uh you know and like you know like we're even saying too with Brady's age the future quarterback for that team is going to you know is going to love AJ Brown because the Patriots, they're going to have to, you know, think of not only guys that can mesh well with Brady, but guys that will be around for the next, the next quarterback's, you know, career, because the next court, you know, these players in this draft and even this past draft, they're going to be around the new quarterback longer than they're going to be around Tom Brady, just because Brady is on, you know, he is going to be wrapping up his career within the next couple seasons. Um, my sleeper pick is Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. He's a tight end. Um, Losing Gronk is going to hurt, and um, replacing him is going to be one of the most difficult tasks because Brady just messed so well with Tom, and uh, they, they basically read each other's minds, you know, why the play was developing, and that's something that is not going to be learned overnight. That's something you really might not be able to ever find with another tight end for Brady, but um, Jay Sternberger, I mean, he's – He's a huge sleeper in this tight end class because this tight end class is so deep. Um, Sternberger has a very good catch radius. I mean, his his catch radius is, you know, ginormous. And I think Brady's going to love that, especially in the red zone. Um, I think, that, you know, he's a guy that they can get in round, you know, the end of round three, you know, round four. Um, maybe even depending on how the way the draft goes due to all these defensive players, maybe they snag him in round five. I think that's gonna if if somehow he ends up he's there in round five and the Patriots take him, that's gonna I think that's gonna be a, a big steal for for them for the tight end position. No one is such a big need. Yeah, and it's funny that we both again, like I said, we both have tight end, and uh, the reason why I say it's funny is because uh, on my three needs for them, I actually don't have tight end listed. Um, I have. Uh, f- 
number one would be a wide receiver. I guess when we're talking, obviously we're talking about tight end, and it's even more uh, more known because Rob Gronkowski did decide to retire. Um, but we're basically not only are we talking about tight end, we're just talking about pass catchers for him. So wide receiver kind of is in that category. Um, again, I, I think that they're they're going to be looking at one of those Iowa tight ends as their number one target. But uh, wide receiver is also up there because Julian Edelman and then just a bunch of bunch of nobodies are up there. So it's and they did go out and sign Austin Safarian Jenkins, who hasn't really had the greatest career. But again, he's with Tom Brady. Who knows what's going to happen there? Maybe he maybe his career rejuvenates. Uh, number two, I got defensive tackle. Um, they really don't have. Honestly, and and I'll go into number three too. I got edge rusher because they really don't have anybody on that offensive line that really scares anybody. Um, they have, uh, they did go out and, and sign or trade for Michael Bennett. Uh, I don't remember how they acquired him, but they did get Michael Bennett uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, other than that, though, really their front four is just it's not that impressive. Um, their linebacking core is is a little bit better uh, with Hightower and Kyle Van Noy, uh, but just they're like they they need they need the big men in the trenches up front. So uh, defensive tackle and edge rusher, defensive end, whatever you want to call them, uh, I think are number two targets number two and target number three for them. Yeah, and we're basically in the same ballpark. At, at one, I have wide receiver just because Brady does need somebody. Like even though everybody wants to say you know. Um, Edelman is a Hall of Famer. He's not during, you know, he shows up big during the playoffs, but he's mediocre at best. You could say during the regular season, they need that legitimate playmaker. Number two is tight end. They need the legitimate playmaker now that Gronk's gone. And number three is edge. You know, my Lions stole Trey Flowers from them. Um, they, as you mentioned, they do have Mike Bennett and then nothing. So it's going to be. Um, you know, they need to work on both sides of the ball, and I think they need to lean a little bit more towards uh, offense early just because this defensive class is deeper than the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, you know, it, it, no matter what's going to happen, I tell you right now, the Patriots, they know how to draft. They find guys that just are made for their system, and I don't know how they do it. They they took Van Noy from the Lions a couple years ago for a sixth-round pick and turned him into a uh, – a, a top defensive player, basically, but one that you know, a top outside linebacker. So, I'm sure they'll do what they need to do, but it's it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, with Brady's age and stuff, it, it, I'm I think this year I'm more interested. Maybe you could say for the Patriots draft more than I am for my own Lions. Just for some reason is I want to see how the Patriots. You know, they're going to try to continue this. You know, to build this dynasty because. Even though they have six rings, that don't matter. As long as Tom's there, their goal every year is to win the Super Bowl. So I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to continue with the loss of Gronk, only having one wide receiver and a bunch of running backs. Yeah, you actually took the words right out of my mouth. Before going into the next team, uh, the Jets, I was actually going to say that the Patriots are, as long as Tom Brady's under center, they're, they're always going to be a threat. Um, they... I do think that they take a little bit of a step backwards. Um, I, I'm not going to put out my prediction on their team just yet, as far as their record goes until the draft. And, and I actually see a copy of the schedule and which actually comes out this week. But uh, I, I think they take a step back, but Tom Brady 
always puts them in a position to win, and, and he gets hot in November, December, and then in the playoffs, he's pretty much unstoppable. So as long as he gets them there, they're always a threat. Uh, moving on to the Jets, uh, the new and improved Jets, actually. Uh, my uh, number one guy that um, could be successful with this year's draft is going to be Sam Darnold. Um, he was the second quarterback taken last year in the fairly heavy quarterback draft where we had five quarterbacks go in the first round. Um, we already talked about Josh Allen. Uh, Sam Donald was number two. Baker Mayfield was obviously number one to the Cleveland Browns. Um, and they're just they're putting together quite a team over there in New York to, to kind of compete this year and, and in the years to come. Um, they're, they're not going to be a joke this year. Um, I, I think they're going to be legit. Uh, a lot of it it basically just comes down to chemistry because they, they've been putting – they've already had a pretty solid defense already, and they just added to it. Their offense, they they went out and basically grabbed the top offensive prize in free agency, and that's Le'Veon Bell uh, coming off of a season off. I think he's going to be healthy and rejuvenated. He's It's not like he was hurt last year. He, was, he just took the year off because uh, he didn't want to be in Pittsburgh. Um, but that offense, it still needs another weapon or two. Uh, they have Rodney Anderson, they have Quincy Inunua, and they went out and grabbed uh, Jameson Crowder. Um, but they're not like, I mean, those aren't like knock your socks off types of wide receivers. Uh, and, and Chris Herndon, he did, he, he did come on pretty well last year in the tight end position. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that New York's going to go tight end. I just, I think that, I think they need to grab like a, uh, a wide receiver or two, um, maybe not at number three. I definitely don't think they're going to grab one at number three. And if they stay at number three, I think Josh Allen is the pick there. But um, just it, somewhere along the line in that draft, with this with this wide receiver draft being so heavy, uh, definitely think they got to grab one. And Sam Darnold is the uh, would be the uh, recipient of that uh, of that pick. Yeah, I like that. Um, I was on the fence about going Darnold. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to be a little bit different. So I'm actually going to go with their general manager, Mike McEgan. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Um, you know, he, he's been the GM of the Jets since 2015. And uh, since then, he's had a bunch of underwhelming, you know, he's he's been underwhelming to say at least. I mean, he's had a select few signings, trades, um, you know, draft picks that's panned out and, you know, looked good. But it seems like he wants to turn things around. You know, he, he went out and he signed the big free agent prize this year in Le'Veon Bell after drafting Sam Darnold last year. So it's uh, it looks like he's getting on track with um, turning this team around. And uh, they, they have some pieces to get still if they want to take over New England or, you know, even to grab a wild card spot. I think the top three teams in this division are going to be neck and neck. Um, I do think Buffalo and the Jets push New England a little bit. I don't know if they're going to overtake them this year, but I do think they're going to give them – one of those teams are going to give them a scare. Um, and this draft is going to be key if it's if it's going to be the Jets this year. Um, and, and I don't know if with them having their three pick, uh, if they trade out of that, there has been rumors that they want to trade, you know, and, and get more draft picks. So whatever that's done, you know, Mike Mack again, and as I said, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right – He's gonna need to be smart about it this year, and um, if they train number three, make sure he's getting enough back. Make sure that if he's giving up a Josh Allen type player, you know, coming off the edge, or if, if he's passing on a 
Quinn Williams if Quinn Williams is there. If he's passing on a uh, a Nick Bosa, if Nick Bosa where to slide to three. Um, he needs to make sure that if he's trading back, that he's he he hits the nail on the head with that draft pick still. Because if he passes up Bosa, Williams, Allen, and they're those three become studs as predicted, and um, he goes and drafts you know somebody that is basically a depth player you know in the next three four years, um, that might that could spell the end of him, in, in at least in his time in New York. Yeah, and when I put this uh, when we're. Well, when I was going over my notes for what we're talking about, I didn't really uh, factor in any potential trades or anything. So all of my ideal targets are basically based on where they're currently picking right now. Um, so with the Jets picking number three, um, I don't – and I know there, there's been a lot of talk about the Jets looking to trade out of that spot, and, and I'm sure come draft day there's going to be a lot more talk about it. But as of right now, my ideal target for them is – uh, Josh Allen, edge rusher, out of Kentucky. He's it, it's been it's been back and forth and back and forth between him and Quinn and Williams and and even well, I mean obviously if Bosa's there, he's he's the number one. Um, but I, I don't think he makes it past San Fran or even Arizona if if this whole Kyler Murray thing is a smokescreen. But uh, Josh Allen at number three, um, you can't really go wrong there. It's We've talked about it a couple times on, on other podcasts, and it's like it's, it's pretty much one of those, uh, unless they trade out of the pick, it's one of those one of those set in stone, right in a permanent marker type things. Um, and right now my sleeper that I have for them is going to be Anthony Johnson, the wide receiver out of UB, the Buffalo Bulls. Um, the reason I go with him is, as I already mentioned, they do need a wide receiver. They definitely need another another pass-catching option for Sam Darnold. And they don't have currently right now a second-round pick. Um, so, And they picked too high in the first round. So you're essentially going more than 64 picks before they actually pick again, unless they trade into the second round. And I don't think they're taking a wide receiver at third overall not picking in the second round. So they're kind of missing out on this uh, top tier and second tier group of wide receivers. Um, so you're, you're basically getting into the the next guys, basically. Uh, Anthony Johnson does fit that bill. Uh, he's got a nice frame, nice size, uh, playing for the smaller school here in Buffalo. I got to see him uh, quite a bit. Um, I didn't go to any live games, but I did get to see him on TV, and he, he just impressed me uh, catching balls from another another guy that's in this draft, Tyree Jackson, who, who we'll get to later on uh, in another episode. But they, I, I think he – I'm excited to see where Anthony Johnson goes just, just as a Buffalo fan, um, but it's just he's – He's like I said, he's in that next tier of wide receivers that, uh, with in the right fit with the right quarterback, uh, he can he can be a a stud in this in this league. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his too. Uh, I I actually had tickets to go to the um the bowl game here in Michigan at Ford Field where Buffalo played, and uh, unfortunately I couldn't get that day off of work, and I was super super frustrated because I wanted to do some actually live scouting of Anthony Johnson. Um, I ended up giving my buddies my buddies the tickets in uh, in exchange for them to actually do the scouting for me, and they were texting me notes throughout the whole game. And uh, I'm super high on him. I do believe he should go higher than he's projected to go. But yeah, I mean, love the guy, love the guy. Um, my ideal target though is I'm glad you stayed with them staying at three because mine was kind of them 
trading out of three. I have their ideal the, their ideal target as Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama. <clears throat> they they need to protect Darnold. They need to open up holes for Bell, and that should be the focus this season. You know, the last thing the Jets want is for Darnold to be running for his life. You know, due to, to a bad offensive line. Um, I seen his very first career play, and it was a pick six against Detroit. I was there Monday night in the end zone, and uh, Darnold had Darnold had to escape the pocket because we were closing in. And you know, I seen how that even though they did win the game, I seen how that play turned out, and uh, they don't want that this year. They, they they want him standing upright. You know, they they've done enough to help him by not having him put the team on his back at such a young part of his career by signing Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Le'Veon Bell be the focus there. But again, you need that offensive line to be able to make Bell, you know, get more than two, three yards of carry. I mean, Bell can create, you know, he can break tackles and get out enough to make his own yardage. But to hit them big plays, you know, you're going to need to open You're going to need to help open up holes for him. And um, that's Jonah Williams can, you know, he can go play some tackle. There's talk that he can play guard. He might be better suited for guard. And uh, <laughs> either or, whoever they put him at will help that old offensive line. And my third pick is help. I have Sutton Smith, the um, edge rusher from Northern Illinois. He's a smaller edge guy, but uh, he can get to the quarterback. And, and that's what you want going against Brady, Josh Allen, who can run, um, you know, Fitzpatrick slash whoever else is going to be quarterback this year for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he's racked up 29 sacks the last two seasons. I mean, uh, there's a uh, – I can't remember right now on the top of my head where i seen that, but the company has a uh, certain stat, and they call it the Havoc stat. And basically it's fumbles, interceptions, uh, sacks, tackles for loss, all in one um, – all in one category. And basically he had more Havoc – plays than basically anybody else in the country that's coming into this draft, but he's, he's a six foot nothing guy. And uh, that's, that's really his, really his only big knock. I mean, everything else could be fixed, but you can't tease size, but uh, man, he, he can wreak havoc though. He can get all over the field. And I, it's a guy you could probably get in rounds five, six, maybe seven. Um, and worse comes to worse, you know, you move him to, you move him to maybe, you know, inside maybe try to get him on the field um, or maybe even a rotational guy. <laughs> but uh, he, he's definitely someone I think can really help the Jets. If they were to trade out of number three, they pass up Josh Allen. Uh, they go get Sutton Smith for a depth guy, a rotational guy. And uh, I think that's what play big dividends. I think he's the type of player that can make a big impact, even though he's not going to be the guy that's going to be on the field for – 95% of the snaps. I mean, he's probably about a, uh, a 60, 40 guy. He'll play 60% of the snaps um, on obvious passing situations. And uh, yeah, Sutton Smith is probably one of my favorite like sleeper defensive guys. And uh, man, if, if he goes to a team that can use him, even though he is smaller, they're, they're going to be in for a treat. Yeah, so we both agree that there's somewhere along the line that the Jets are going to be taking an edge rusher. Uh, definitely something that they need. Um, again, their their defense is is one of their strengths uh, of of this team. They definitely have a strong secondary, especially with their starting with their strong safety Jamal Adams. Uh, they went out and got C.J. Mosley kind of in the middle there. So uh, it's it's only right that they get their 
their edge rusher and, and somebody that can get to the quarterback. So that's my number one target for them. Uh, it kind of leads me into that. Edge rusher is the number one target. Number two, uh, you touched on how um, your your ideal target is on the offensive line. My number two target is offensive line, but I'm narrowing it down a little bit more. I'm going with the interior of the offensive line, uh, guards and centers. They Right now, they really don't have – Anybody there that that kind of sticks out to me? Um, they did they did trade for Osimeli from Oakland, and uh, he I know he's played a little bit of tackle. Uh, he's as of right now, according to ourlads.com, he is slotted in as the guard. So it, it remains to be seen on, on where he's going to end up on that line, uh, if he's even going to be starting on that line. But um, we we've seen it in Pittsburgh with uh, Le'Veon Bell that he's. It's going to be a lot different, and he's going to have to show more of his talent um, of what he can do just because the line in New York isn't as – it's not as good as the line in Pittsburgh. Um, I do believe that Le'Veon Bell is that talented player that, that can definitely do that. But, um, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. And number three, I think we'll both agree with this, is a wide receiver. We both touched on it. Sam Donald needs another weapon. Uh, they basically have, and I know Rodney Anderson is, he's he's a stud, but they basically have three number twos. Uh, they need that that number one, that number one guy. It's going to be a little bit hard to get, like I said, because they don't have that second round pick. Um, and I'm not saying that Anthony Johnson is that number one guy, but they they definitely need to go out and get a wide receiver, and somewhere they need to find a legit number one tall six foot three six foot four guy that that's just gonna overpower uh dbs yeah and and uh my uh, same three but just a little bit of a different order i have offensive line that's number one uh we're Le'Veon bill is really gonna show if he's as good as he says he is um the the holes ain't gonna be as wide and they're not gonna be open as long so we'll see how how quick he can hit them little holes and see if he can actually bust some players loose on his on himself um or by himself and then I have Edge as number two uh order to stop in the Patriots or in order to stop the Patriots you have to stop Tom Brady in order to stop Tom Brady you have to get to Brady um we pretty much seen no matter who he throws the ball against. You can't stop him from – no DB, no secondary can isolate him. So the only way you can get him to not throw the ball, not to tear you up at the last minute is to get it where he can't throw the ball. So edge is going to be huge for him. And then as well as yours, number three is wide receiver. They do need that number one. Uh, that's why ideally I would hope they they trade from number three. Uh, if they have right targets, uh, trade from number three – get into the 12 to 15-ish range, get you an offensive lineman or a wide receiver, um, you would imagine any deal that they did get would include not only that that person's first-round pick or that team's first-round pick, but the, probably that team's second-round pick. So whatever they don't get in round one, if they do a trade, they would get in round two. But uh, it's pretty obvious those are the top three needs for the New York Jets, at least coming into this season. Yeah, definitely. And – I think that yeah, the number three is definitely worthy of getting them the uh, second round pick. So if if the Jets are serious about trading out of that number three spot, um, moving back and, and still getting like a top fifteen pick, and then getting a pick in the second round, that could definitely do some wonders for them. Especially because this team, they're not Super Bowl contenders, but 
they are they're close. Not not to the Super Bowl, but they are close to they're they're gonna be competitive this year. You already touched on it that uh the those three AFCs teams are going to be um, neck and neck, and and even for majority of the season, it's going to be those three. And then New England's probably going to pull away and and win the division. That's going to be down to the Jets and the Bills to try to beat out your your Colts or your Texans or your, or your uh, or your Browns or your Steelers to try to get a wild card. So uh, definitely going to be fun to see and, and watch these teams play. And, and hopefully they have the Bills versus Jets on a uh, primetime game and, and, and the country gets to see them play. Uh, getting into our final team, um, we got the Miami Dolphins. Uh, my guy who needs a good draft here, and I don't – there's really not – not many players that I could, or not not players because this is even a player, but there's really not many people that I could have put in this position uh, because this team is such a mess. Um, and I don't think it's fair to say him, but I'm going to say him anyways. Uh, it's Brian Flores, the head coach. Uh, yeah. He is the first time he not the he is a first time head coach. Uh, he's been a, he's been a coordinator and he's been on coaching staffs for for quite a few years, but now getting his first head coach gig, he. He basically just needs to work with the staff and and just put the best team that he could put together this year and uh, and basically just go from there. I mean, the Dolphins really, they're not going to do much damage this year. They're probably going to be picking in the top three next year. He just has to, he just has to go out, coach his game, get his players, basically build over the next couple of years and, and and just not get discouraged on, on grabbing his first head coaching job. Um, but I mean, the quarterback of the future is definitely not on this roster right now. Uh, Fitzpatrick is there now and, and he's definitely not the long-term option. Um, so it's just, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see how exactly he does as a head coach. Um, I know he's, he put together, not, he didn't really put it together because Matt Patricia was before him, but he, he had a pretty solid defense out there in New England and, uh, it's, I mean, I wish them the best, but it's like I said, you really can't put anybody else here because there's there's not really anybody whose job is really in jeopardy be on this team right now. Um, I mean, I guess maybe you could have put Devontae Parker here, but that you, you kind of relies on them going out and getting a quarterback then if you're going to say that. And, and, and I don't see that happening. So uh, my guy's Flores, the head coach. Yeah, and mine's Brian Flores, too. I mean. The, the reasons you said, but I'm going to get into a little bit more. Uh, he's a first-time head coach in a bad situation. I mean, outside of maybe a handful of guys, there's nobody on that roster that's going to be there probably in the next three or four years. I mean, literally, there's a handful of guys that will be there, you know, within the next couple of years. It's it, it, it's kind of crazy that this team was in the playoffs two years ago. They were very close to making the playoffs last year, and now they just they don't have nobody. I mean, and the, my, another reason why Flores is my uh, my guy for this is Adam Gase wasn't a bad head coach, and they cut him. You know, two seasons, playoffs in one, almost playoffs in another. He, you know, the year they went to playoffs, he didn't have Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't even have Tannehill the last couple games of that season. Tannehill missed games this past season. When Tannehill has been in the game, he's won him some games, but he hasn't he, – he's not an elite quarterback. You know, it's not like Adam Gase flamed out or nothing. 
they just decide to cut him and start fresh. Um, if they give Brian Flores only two years to do something, Brian Flores will be gone in two years because there's nobody that can turn this team around in two years. This is going to be a long-term build. So they really have to have faith in him and give him, you know, maybe upwards to, to three drafts before they even start sniffing the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it, like I said, it, it's going to be a mess there. Um, it's getting into the ideal target. Basically it's pretty much every position except for cornerback and strong safety. Uh, that's just a joke. Um, I think the ideal target right now is it's got, it's got to be best player available. Whoever falls to them at 13. Again, um, we, a lot of it, a lot of this really depends on what, what happens with Josh Rosen and where Dwayne Haskins goes and, and if he falls in the draft. Say, for example, Josh Rosen ends up going to the Giants. I could see Haskins falling. Maybe Miami goes and picks their – maybe they trade up and, and go after Haskins and gets their quarterback this year instead of next year. But until that happens, the guy that I have as their ideal target uh, staying put at number 13 is Jonah Williams. Uh, he's basically the second – best offensive tackle in this draft and, and even started out um, earlier in the scouting season. He he was the number one offensive tackle in this draft and, and Jawan Taylor kind of took that over. But um, I, I mean, they got to start somewhere and I think that like they could pretty much take pretty much whoever's there, whoever's at the top of the board, they could go ahead and get uh, whether that's like a Devin White or Devin Bush, um, Rashawn Gary, Jonah Williams. But I mean, Obviously, next year they're going to be taking their quarterback, and why not get their why not get a starting offensive tackle this year and, and kind of get him into a role and, and build that line. So when that quarterback comes in next year, he's not uh, the second coming of David Carr and getting sacked seventy plus times. Um, as my sleeper, I'm actually going to go here. Even though just talked up quarterbacks next year, I'm actually going to go with the quarterback here and say they go after Will Greer. Um, I am in the majority, like I said, that thinks that they are going to roll into the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick and draft their future next year. Um, and that's probably what's going to happen. But Greer right now has a third to fourth round grade on him. And Dolphins do have a pick in every single round this year, um, mid, mid round picks. So, I could see if he's there in the fourth round, even into the fifth round, um, depending on how this draft is going, why not take a flyer on him and see and see what happens? It's it's one of those things where, like, you really haven't had to experience this, but me being up here in Buffalo and having kind of been a QB purgatory since Jim Kelly retired up until last year, and, and even the jury's still out on Josh Allen. It's like every single year it's like, okay, why not take a quarterback just to just to take a quarterback and then and then just see what happens? Okay, we have uh, Drew Bustle for a little bit. We have Tyra Taylor for a little bit, but let's still draft a quarterback. So I mean, Miami could very well do that same thing and and draft Greer. And, and if he doesn't, I mean, I don't think it's gonna things are gonna happen overnight. And he's gonna end up being their Hall of Fame starter by next year. I'm just take him if he's there take him have him on have him in camp have him on the roster have him learn behind ryan fitzpatrick and and if if you see that things maybe aren't going to work out you got 2020 yeah and i i tell you now i i absolutely love that <laughs> i was i was on the fence for that uh, you know a quarterback as my sleeper pick too just for some reason is 
I, I get it. I mean, your teams would be so bad if if they're if all the rumors are true and their heart really is set on waiting to twenty twenty, drafting a Jake Fromm, a Tua, a uh, a Justin Herbert. Take a quarterback. I mean, if you can go take, I'm even say maybe a Daniel Jones round two if he is there. Um, take him. I mean, worst comes worst. Fitzpatrick starts a couple games, and they do the bad play, or hopefully not, but an injury. You slide this guy in. I don't care if he's, I don't care if they pick, you know, a guy in the sixth round, a quarterback in the sixth round. Throw him in there. See what you got because. If if there is some potential there, and it really, I mean, a granted, it would take a lot for a quarterback to, you know, to show, hey, don't take somebody in twenty twenty. Let me, you know, build around me at least temporarily to see. Why not? I mean, Brady was a sixth round pick. I mean, you see, Russell Wilson was a third rounder. I mean, if you can potentially snag your future before you want to build your future. Next year, you can just continue building around him and see what goes on. Um, so I get it, but my ideal target is Ed Oliver for uh, you know, the defense tackle for Houston. You mentioned him earlier for Buffalo. Uh, Miami can select just about anybody at any position, and that will instantly that position will instantly get upgraded. Their roster is just so bad. Um, Oliver's the uh, you know, is a dominant interior defensive lineman that will cause havoc for years. He's being compared to Aaron Donald and for good reason. I mean, the size is a big thing, but he's, he's just as dominant as Donald was. And it seems like he has the potential to be just as dominant in the pros as Donald. Um, I think he might be a step below Donald when it's all said and done. I don't think he's going to be up there, but I think he definitely will play as a top 10 pick. Um, you know, and, and ever since they they lost Ndamukong Su. Uh, they've been just getting tore up. I mean, he's an ideal replacement for Sue. I mean, he can stuff the run. He can take down a quarterback. You know, <clears throat> there was actually, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was him. There's actually a play where he chased down Lamar Jackson in college. Lamar Jackson does what he always did. He scrambled. Next thing you know, you just see, you just see uh, Ed Oliver just chase him down. I mean, like 15 yards down the field went after him and grabbed him and just took him down. And that's a playmaker that the Dolphins are going to need when they eventually do compete because defense does win championships. And uh, he's someone you can build around. I mean, I like how you said, you know, you pick Jonah Williams. Um, ideally, if you build a team, I think you build from the trenches I mean, on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, both, are, I, both are our, our, our ideal picks state that. Um, and my sleeper is Benny Snell Jr., the running back from Kentucky. Um, he's a power back that Miami needs now that Frank Gore went over to Buffalo. And uh, Snell gives the Dolphins a, a running back to pair at Kenyon Drake. Drake's a uh, – I think he's he's very good in his, his pass-catching role where he gets a handful of carries, but he does a lot out, out of the backfield. You know, he can – he's going to surpass protection. He can catch the ball. Um, but Benny Snell, I think, is a guy that you can – give him a 20 carry a game workload and he'll hold up. Uh, he's not very exclusive. He won't, you know, no, do none of the shake and bake. He won't make you miss, but uh, he'll lower his pads down and, and, and he'll make sure that if you bring him down on the first carry, it's, it's going to be painful for you too. And uh, 
I think I think this year they just they need to find sleepers, you know, to at least try to be competitive at, at all with the next couple of years. And uh, Snell is so, Snell is somebody you can get in round three to five from what I've been reading, what I've been hearing. Uh, it looks like he's around three to five guys. So uh, the very you know the back end of day two, early day three, and uh, whew, man, it's just this the Dolphins were just so easy to pick for when it comes to to ideal fits and sleepers because they only have a handful of positions that are already set. Yeah. With so many needs sleepers and, and this whole, I mean, I, I think this team is probably the easiest. Um, the top three needs that I have are pretty much. I touched on two of them. Offensive line, uh, number one quarterback, number two and wide receiver, number three. And the reason why I have quarterback number two is because I don't think that this year is the year that they're taking one. Uh, obviously, like I said, we have to see what happens with the draft, uh, where Haskins goes, if they're in the mix for Rosen, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We, we got to see what happens real quick before we go. Uh, Adam mentioned at the beginning of the show about some contests that we're going to have coming up. Uh, we do have, uh, we're, we're getting into the merchandising uh, aspect of things. We're going to have shirts. We're going to have koozies. We're going to have coffee mugs. Uh, pretty much anything that you can think of, we're we're going to try to get our hands on and, and get out for you fans. And uh, either for contests or or hopefully eventually make things for sale if we get big enough. But I mean, let, let, let's start off free. So uh, have some contests out there. Um, as as teased throughout the whole show today we've we talked about our seven round mock draft that we had um just to give you a little rundown of it it was we did a full seven round mock draft we did allow trades the trades really didn't work out as much as we wanted to i mean i think we had maybe a total of four or five different trades so i mean that's obviously not that's obviously not going to happen next thursday we're going to see a lot more trades next weekend um, but in our draft, we did allow trades. Uh, we had some pretty legit trades going on. Um, we had four of us in there. Um, Hunter is a Broncos fan, so he kind of ran the uh, the West teams. Uh, Adam, as you know, is a Lions fan, so he kind of ran the North teams, AFC and NFC. Me being the Bills fan, ran all the East teams. And then we had our other guy, Ryan, who is a Redskins fan. Obviously, they're in the East, um, but I had the East, so he ran the South teams. Uh, but we did a little trade where I took Tampa Bay and he and I gave him Washington so he could draft for his team. It kind of just went down uh, – kind of did a slow draft on it took about a week and a half and it just overall it was it was just loads of fun uh i would definitely do it again i think next year maybe grab four more guys everybody grab a division uh but we're gonna this all leads up to we're gonna have another podcast about that kind of kind of get those two guys on and and just run down our our own team's picks our favorite picks our sleeper picks in that draft just kind of go through everything um and I know it's it's just going to be loads of fun. That like it was probably the uh, the best mock draft that I've done, just because of all the time that we put into it, and just and just like just learning about the players, and 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 we didn't we didn't really BS it. We kind of drafted based on best player available and, and what and what the team needs and stuff like that. We didn't just go ahead and say, all right, let's just get out of here. So I'm drafting this guy just to, just to move it along. So uh, it's actually a legit draft. Um, a lot of it that we can see actually happening next weekend. Um, so just be on the lookout for that podcast. Uh, anything you want to say before we close up? 
No, yeah, that that podcast was it was fun. I mean, I was going to do the uh, seven round uh, mock by myself and just publish it and talk a little bit on here, but I'm 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 glad we end up doing it where there's four of us. It was a ton of fun. Uh, definitely can't wait the next year's. Next year's is going to be fun, especially if we end up getting you know eight guys instead of just the four of us. And uh, it's something to look forward. I mean, you mentioned we had uh, like four or five trades. I think I I had three of them. So. Uh, yeah, it was fun though. Uh, draft, man, draft is what twelve days away. <clears throat> that's that's gonna be uh, or no, what ten days away or something. That's gonna be exciting. I mean, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, man, big things are gonna happen. The draft is always exciting. And the thing I like it more about this draft than in passes, I noticed a lot of mocks are all they're not identical, but they they have basically the same core group of players going in the first round. Like, I haven't really seen any mocks where there's a uh, a guy where some of us have, all right, well, we have a third-round grade on him. There's not a lot of people putting that guy that has a chance of going in the first round actually going in the first round in their mocks. I mean, I'm not talking about a guy that's borderline first. I'm talking about, you know, we see it. We seen the um, one of the Edmund brothers last year, you know, uh, what was it, Terrell Edmonds? He, he, no one had, you know, I had a fourth round grade on him last year and Pittsburgh took him at the end of round one. I mean, I haven't seen that in any mocks and uh, it's going to happen. I'm excited for that to happen. I always, uh, I always want to see what these GMs are, uh, these GMs are thinking when they do that. Uh, and, and the only thing I'm not looking forward to is this is my first year of watching it without Mike Mayock doing his scouting at the last minute. Uh and and with with me being a big scouting fan, uh, the day before the draft, he usually publishes or he usually has his special on the NFL Network, uh, his round one mock. And uh, it's sad that that's not going to happen. I've looked forward to that the last couple of years. So I'm glad we got to do this as a group. It kind of uh, kind of makes up for the lack of Mayock this coming week. So yeah, and keep a lookout for um, like I said, today was a special episode. Uh, that we ran on the AFC East. We're, we're going to have seven more uh, cover each division. Uh, we promise you they're not going to run this long. Uh, probably going to run a lot shorter, even the individual, just the football aspect of it. Um, so we're going we're gonna to get into that o- over the next, well, we only have 10 days left until the draft, so we're definitely going to squeeze them all in over the next 10 days and get those out for you. And finally, we may, and not going to make any promises, but we may be live draft or live potting for the uh, NFL draft itself uh, all kind of depends on what myself and what Adam are doing uh, individually on those days or on on that day at least for the first round um, may have some people over so I'm not 100% sure that's going to happen um, but if uh, if we're able to then keep a lookout for that and and we'll be uh, we'll be live and hopefully answering questions and keeping everybody updated on what kind of picks are going on and and kind of just go from there. But um, that's uh, that's about it for tonight. And uh, just just keep us uh, keep us on your dial. Uh, Fantasy football fraternity, Great Lakes football talk. Uh, we're on all the major podcast networks. Your your uh, anchor, Google, Apple, uh, Spotify, all of that. So just check us out. Great Lakes football talk. Yeah, and remember to share, like, comment, because you guys get the head start on the contest. So make sure you guys, as soon as you guys finish hearing this, share it, like it, comment, 
no matter what you do, everything counts. It helps us greatly for getting our page out there. So we have more listeners, more listeners means bigger prizes, bigger contests. So uh, thanks everybody.